Welcome back to the CS Mac Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez. I'm Kyle Herber. I'm Caitlin Hutchison. On this week's show, we're talking about the U.S. sprinters who have set the tone early that 2023 is going to be a fast one. We saw some big performances in Miramar and Baton Rouge from Shakira Richardson and Aaliyah Hobbs. Right, Benjamin threw down in California. But before we get into all of that, Olipop is a prebiotic soda with two to five grams of sugar that is actually good for your gut health, and it's delicious. Use code Sidious25 for 25% off non-subscription orders. Learn more at drinkolipop.com or use the link in the show description to activate our promotional code. I'm drinking it out of my Brooks Hyperion House 2022 uh, mug because we're going back there this weekend. We'll be in Boston for the Boston Marathon with the Brooks team. We're going to do a pre-race show on Saturday. We'll be at Des Linden's morning run Saturday at 8 a.m. And then David Melly is hosting trivia later that evening on Marathon Monday. You can watch along with us on YouTube. We'll be live from 9 a.m. all the way through both pro races. Um, and it's going to be really exciting. We did this last year and more than 30,000 people watched along with us. So uh, I can see more people tuning in this time mute the tv listen and laugh with us it's going to be a good time i have olipop thoughts of the week every week i I have something to say about olipop and so um my i'm a big can guy like i like drinking beers out of cans seltzers out of cans olipop out of cans but my dad was kind of saying like olipop's got to get into the bottle game because he likes screwing and unscrewing throughout the course of a day it doesn't want to sit and drink all the olipop in one sitting sometimes which i disagree with but uh, you know i guess if you're having a larger quantity of olipop that might make sense but then it got me thinking about like a glass bottle olipop and how good that would be oh that would be really good well the other thing too is that they've I guess uh, for for the people who aren't following so closely into all the ins and outs of Olipop, they surpassed A&W for the number one selling root beer in the United States, which is kind of crazy. And A&W, you can get in sort of one of like those twist off tops. And you can, I think, in some cases get in a glass bottle. But again, like wait, if Olipop's not even in that territory yet, they're dangerous. Like it's going to it's going to be good. So um Good recommendation. We'll take it up with our people at Olipop, but they're very happy with the partnership that we've uh, had with them over the last couple months, and we're going to keep it rolling. So we'll we'll get some Olipop in Boston this weekend. All right, let's start off with the race that everyone was talking about this weekend. Shakari Richardson running 10-5-7, but of course we have to point out the wind reading of 4.1 meters per second, and a reminder to all the listeners that anything above 2.0 is considered wind-aided. T.T. Terry right behind her in 10.83, but Shakari Richardson is back. I saw the people thrown out there that the conversion uh, would be 10.77 with 0.0 wind, 10.68 with 2.0 wind, so... You don't need to get the calculators out. All you have to know is that this is fast. She got out, stayed ahead, showcased that top end speed. The 100 meters is just so much better when Shakari Richardson is in the mix. Caitlin, what did you make of the race? 
student. I think it was insane that she shut down like five meters before the finish line and still managed to run at 1057. It, it wasn't even like, oh, she did a little point. Like she literally did a little hop jump before she crossed the line. So I'm just saying like, screw the win for a second, you know, cause we gonna talk about that. But just imagine how fast that would have been if she just ran straight through the line. And we talk about this all the time because people used to say it a lot with Bolt because he used to celebrate too. But it's just insane to think about. Um, and I think the other thing is too is like everybody, everybody's saying, oh, but 4.1 win. You still have to execute the race. Do y'all not understand that you still have to be moving at the speed of light to make it happen? And if running with four miles per hour or hurricane rays at your back was so easy, well, it would make 10.5 so easy, then everybody else would have ran 10.5. Yeah, like my, my legs couldn't do that if you like threw me off a cliff. So the fact that she's capable of doing it says a lot. Now, I think I have two major opinions on this, and I'm pro Shakir. I just, you know, I think she's great for the sport. I'm always rooting for her to run well because it it put asses in seats consistently. So, like, when people hate her, like, that's that's good. And when people love her, that's good. Like, as long as people are watching. All publicity um, is good publicity. That's, that's what I'm saying. And, and so the two thoughts I have is, first off, she needed to get her swagger back, and it's back. Like, I didn't, like, the idea of it's the beginning of April, is she opening up too fast? And even with the win, that conversion is 10-7 too fast. And it's like, all right, well, first off, in 2021, she ran a, a legal 10-7-2 here, the mm -hmm. same meet, and then went on to dominate the Olympic trials. So, you know, mm -hmm. timing, I'm not that worried about that from that front. But then the other thing is just like the mental side of it. And now she is back and she has the swagger that she needed. And if popping a fast early time does that, then to me, that's more valuable than anything. I think another thing is, too, is somebody was mentioning, well, you know, like if you're running this fast, this early and like shocking your nervous system, like it's not going to be good for like three months down the line or like it's going to be a little concerning. But I'm like, y'all didn't say that when Shelly decided that she wanted to run like, I don't know, like 10, 10 sixes or 10 sevens in like a span of, I don't know, a week. Like y'all didn't say that. And she still popped out and did what she had to do. Um, so I just feel as though, you know, the whole like the timing has to be perfect or it can't be this early. It can't be too late. I don't know. I just feel like that's what kind of screws up track and field, because like, I feel like at the end of the day, if it's a fast time, like you deserve to get hype about it, whether or not it's like at the Olympics or at some random high school meet. Like it, the time is the time for real. Kyle, you called this out on Twitter. Yeah. Well, it's just this idea of like, well, let's see where she is in August. And it's like, I don't know, it's April. So, <laughs> like, what, should we not watch track or care or be excited about anything for the next four months because it's not Worlds? And it's a very singular mindset that we always fall into of, like, if it's not Worlds, then it doesn't matter. And then you know what happens at Worlds? Well, if it's not the Olympics, it doesn't matter. And it's yeah. just like, all right, well, I guess, you know, forget forget it. Like, wake me up <laughs> when it's August. And then I, it's part of the storyline. It's part of being a fan, but also, like, it matters in the sense of building momentum. Uh -huh. And for Shakari, that's important. And also, it's, you know, the, the whole idea of the central nervous system, is it too fast? It's like, well, what's the what's the perfect amount in April? Because to me, she is not somewhere that she hasn't been before right now. She's just back to where she had been previously. And if she's going to try to get to new heights, then yeah, your, your starting point's going to be a little further along. There's two things I want to break down 
about Shakira that we kind of touched on already. Kyle, you said the swagger element. I saw flashes of 2019 Shakira Richardson here because what we didn't see in this race is a lot of the extra stuff that got in the way last year with the the fa extra fashion when it came to the races. This was all business, and I think like that's what we've seen oh, in some of these Chris, races so far. You're, you're gonna get a the anti-fashion mob. Yeah, they're yeah, gonna come get you. No, Chris. I don't know about they're that, Chris. No, I mean like <laughs> I, I do think like, but she's managing a lot of things so much better. I feel like if she's checking that at the door and leaving track to be track again, then she's she seems to be in a good place. The other part that I really like to see too is that when you go to some of these meets, you see that Shakiri has a phenomenal fan base like all the young kids oh, want to get up close with her yeah. and now she's doing these meet and greets with with fans like in the lead up to each one of the meets and it's sort of like for her she's still so young but she's getting i think a better grip on handling the spotlight it's early and and you know she's still super young and we're gonna have bumps along the way when it comes to like the growing pains of handling that sort of spotlight especially as the season gets going but there's just something to a uh, i i kind of am observing that Shakira is handling things better. Now, the other part was just sort of like the uh, Jamaica versus USA storyline. Uh, like Jamaica Twitter went off on this one, calling it <laughs> that she did this with a tornado at her back. And that's fine because, you know, for her, we're all about the the storylines in this sport. And there's no one who's been down and out more than Shakira, I think, over the last couple years. And people are going to make it USA versus Jamaica. They're going to make it good versus evil like we did with Which Bolt and Gatlin. We are, I, I, you know, in this sense, like, you know, I love Shellyanne for good. Yeah, good yeah, versus I love good. It. I love Shellyanne for when she came over to, to our place, but, you know, I'm an American. Like, I'm going to have to root for, for Shakari in that duel. Uh, so I say, at the end of the day, let the haters hate. I want the drama. I want the intrigue going into Budapest. We're listening now, Shakari. I think, like, this was fantastic to see. Now, Caitlin, on the technical side of things, am I right in kind of saying that the area over the last two years that we kind of observed that she needs to make a slight improvement on is the start because that's where someone like <laughs> Shellyanne can really get ahead. And you don't want to be chasing down Shellyanne for Israel Price in a race. But this start was better, and it seems to be like what Shakari has been working on. And it looked good in Miramar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looked really, really good. And I, I think you're right to what you're pointing out. Like her start was something that definitely needed to improve um but i think she's pretty much got it made when you're working with someone like tt terry who's also got a monster start there iron sharpens iron so there's no way you're working with these women um or your best friend and that's not gonna happen at some point and so when you fix her start and she's already got an amazing top end speed like she's gonna be fine and i think that's what's gonna make for a good race um whenever her and shelly do meet each other again because everyone's going to be waiting for that even if she doesn't get the best start in comparison to Shelly, we know that she has monstrous top end speed. So if she can lock in. I mean, she might be chasing her, but that don't mean that she can't get her. So, you know, it would be great to have the perfect race, but even not having the perfect, perfect race makes for some of the best races. So. As an avid runner, I've been using the Forerunner series from Garmin for years, and they're back as a sponsor of the Sidious Mac podcast, introducing the Garmin 965, the ultimate GPS running and triathlon smartwatch with a bright UML touchscreen display and a lightweight titanium bezel. This premium watch is designed for athletes who demand the very best. 
Wake up to your morning report with HRV status and get insights into your health, including an overview of sleep, recovery, and training outlook. The training readiness feature lets you know when you're primed for a productive session, while daily suggested workouts adapt to your performance and recovery. The Race Widget provides training tips, course details, and completion time predictions to help you prepare for that next big event. With multi-band GPS and full-color built-in maps, you can confidently navigate any route, and with traditional buttons and a touchscreen display, it's easy to tap into your training status and know whether you're training productively, peaking, or strained. The Forerunner 965 offers up to 23 days of battery life in smartwatch mode, so you can stay focused on your training without worrying about running out of power. And if you're pushing to outshine the competition, this watch is there to light up every run. Other exciting features for the Forerunner 965 include wrist-based running dynamics, safety and tracking features, and Garmin Pay. With 32 gigabytes of internal memory, you can also download hours of music and podcasts to your wristwatch, including playlists from Spotify and episodes of the Sidious Mag podcast. So get ready to train brilliantly with the Forerunner 965 from Garmin. Order yours today and start logging those miles with Garmin. All right, so let's move to the U.S. woman who actually ran a world-leading time this weekend in the 100. That's Aaliyah Hobbs, ran 10.87 to win the Lloyd Willis Invitational at LSU. It was her first solo 100-meter race of the season. The win reading was 2.0, so she got the max uh, on there. Proving you don't need a healthy wrist to run super fast yeah. in, in the 100. A year ago at this meet, she opened up with 11.08 and finished fourth place in the race. So I think what we're seeing out of Aaliyah Hobbs is that, one, I love that she is still sort of moving in the shadows. That was a world-leading time, but everyone in the after this weekend is still talking about Shakiri. People are going to continue to sleep on Aaliyah Hobbs, but after the indoor season that we saw from her, that momentum has carried out into the outdoor season. And it's really good to see because, you know, she's just one of the people to root for. And, you know, in the sense of, I think we're going to have a really cool duel between Aaliyah Hobbs and Shigeri at USA. And that's going to be good uh, before we even get to facing off against the Jamaicans. I was just going to say, you know, we saw it indoors first. We saw that her 60 dropped from 707 to 694. And it's like, what do you expect? You know, and Leah's not someone who is going to struggle in the last 40 of the race. She had a great indoor season. There was definitely some questions surrounding the wrist of, I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect her to open up already. <laughs> um, but, you know, just where she left off, it's uh, it's that momentum. And I think it's what we're just talking about with Shikari. Like, it matters. I think, because um, I know you were just talking about, like, can we break up the Jamaicans? I honestly think that she will be like the face of USA in terms of breaking up the Jamaicans, mainly because, I mean, it's not that Shakari or TT or Melissa couldn't be at the front of that. But when you want to talk about like who's been in the sport for a while or who's been in for it longer and like who has dealt with being a professional athlete for a longer amount of time, I feel like Aaliyah, like you said, to stay in the shadows, continued to pop her shit every single time like she's supposed to, became the second fastest woman ever over 60 meters indoors. Um, and now she's starting to really put her foot down and say, hey, like, I know y'all been kind of on and off with me hot and cold, but like, if you're going to get on this wagon, you're going to have to get on because where I'm going, I can't take everybody with me. And I think that's what's going to be so exciting because she... I just, I just feel like she is going to be the face of it all. And I know you were saying like people would be sleeping on her, but I don't know. Like the people that I got on my timeline, they always been rooting for her and backing for her, especially like I think one of her friends was saying like, yeah, like 
Julian Alfred might break the the 60 meter world record, but Aaliyah gonna do it first. I say, okay, dude, like it just is what it is. Yeah, if well, you're so sleeping I, on Aaliyah Haas at this point, you're just a really heavy sleeper. Exactly. <laughs> like, wake up, okay? I gotta knock on the door or something. I think it's, you know, talking about Shakira, it's like, well, if she had opened up any slower or too slow, then everyone would jump on her. I will say for Aaliyah, I think this is like the perfect yeah, yes. opener. Like, yes. just that's, that, that is sweet spot. It's the Goldilocks of like, she's fit, she's ready, she's good. But you're not going to hear any chirping of like, it's too early, it's too early. It's like, no, no. Caitlin, for the people, who, obviously we have a lot of distance owners who listen to this podcast, yeah. but what should they know about Aaliyah Hobbs in terms of just like what to you is the strongest part of her race? I think the strongest part of her race now is the finish. Like, I think she's always been super speedy out of the blocks, but I think what's been great for her is like what I've noticed that has changed from when I first started watching her race into the you know, amazing athlete she is right now is like her posture when she's coming into that top end speed. I mean, it just looks like she's high step into the finish line. Like if you could literally just break her the end of her race into like little pictures, everything would just be perfect. Everything's aligned from head to toe, 90 degree angles, Dorsey flags, like everything is just great. And so I think that's what's the big, the best thing is for her because same thing I said with Shakari, if things do go south, like in the beginning of the race, she has got enough momentum um, and enough, I guess, just amazingness to make it happen when the end of the race comes around. So, in one of the like the first buy or sell segments that we had, I bought stock in 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 Aaliyah Hobbs, and that's like looking pretty good. And in addition to that, my other sort of like prediction on the predictions episode was that Shakari makes a team, so I'm sitting pretty pretty right now. Yeah. And also, you know, at the same time, they're not the boldest of predictions, but I'll throw yep. this one to the two of you. Who's got the better metal shot right now? It's got to be Aaliyah, I would think, because Aaliyah has kind of proven herself over being able to handle the rounds and being on that championship stage that Shakari still doesn't have that aside from the 21 Olympic trials, at least like on the international stage. I want to agree with that, too. And this is not to count her out. I think that she definitely has a chance to get a medal and this could be the year where she starts off, um, you know, that trophy board of her professional medals. But I think, like you said, a lot of a lot of what we see with fast individuals is that it's usually the people who are the veterans or have the most experience that can make it through all of this. Um, and like everybody has to start somewhere, which is why I said, you know, this might be the starting point for Shakari this year. But if you want to talk about based off of just what's on paper, what's on numbers and how long people have been racing, I think Aaliyah probably has the one up on her. All right, let's move over to Rye Benjamin running a 400 meter PR of 44.21 out in California. Uh, was he burning USC... a bit? Uh, yeah, that was the <laughs> controversy about this time. Do we know what it was right? <laughs> Yeah, so these 400-meter hurdlers are really showcasing some flat 400-meter speed. Carson Walholm uh, indoors went 45-31. So I just think that whenever uh, Ride decides to open up over hurdles, it's going to be good. With Dos Santos out with the knee injury, Carson Warholm still working his way back towards 2021 form. Okay. This could be Rye Benjamin's best shot at a gold medal. Yeah, he's been he's been wanting it for a while. It's like everyone else has gotten it. He's just like, man, I got second. I done did all this stuff. Where is my gold medal at? Boy, listen, if you running 44 low, because that was a PR for him, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you're running 44 low at this point of the season, then, I mean, shoot, anything, you want the happy gap. So. 
Yeah, so his previous personal best was 44.31 from 2019. And the thing that's kind of surprising is how infrequently he runs flat 400s. Yes. And last year, I don't think he ran a single one. And, you know, I believe it was his hamstring was bothering him at points during last year. And he actually wasn't going over hurdles quite a bit, even in practice. There was a long stretch of time in which he didn't jump any hurdles, which seems important. Um, though, you know, I've never trained for the hurdles. And then I was actually just reading, uh, the Jonathan Galt interview with Trey Cunningham and he only goes over hurdles once every 10 days. So look, I'm I'm out of my element here in what's normal, what's not. But the point is, is that he's actually a fantastic 400 runner and we haven't even seen what he's truly capable of. Cause obviously at the biggest meets he's in the 400 hurdles. And he dominated this race. Like he looked very, very strong. A part of me is thinking, is he like, well, if Michael's going down to the hundred, right. <laughs> a little, little trade off. You know, would it be kind of fun? No, I don't think so. But I think he wants to. I think you know that four by four squad. You, you want to show that you deserve to be on it come no. August, and I think he's now proven that. What's the closest you think? you can get your 400 hurdles and your 400 PR uh, down to, because like, it's so funny to like, right. it, it's kind of crazy to see just sort of like the gap between like Warholm, Warholm's flat PR in the, in the 400 hurdles after the Tokyo Olympics was like super close to his yeah. 400 hurdles PR. And it, it, I think, what is it now? Like two, two seconds, like less than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rise is now 2.04 seconds difference. So 10 hurdles and, you know, not to, you know, cause any controversy. These are the men's hurdles. Like, they're pretty high. Like, yeah. The, I, I, I'm on team, like, the women's 400 hurdles could afford to be three inches higher. Um, But, you know, that's like, that's nothing. You would expect, I think, like, if you were creating an event out of thin air and you're like, how much do you think 10 would slow you down? You'd, you'd expect, like, more than a few because what's yeah. what's sydney's open pr in the 400 hurdles can you look that one up kyle really quick her open what is her it open 49 yeah yeah it's 49 yeah so i mean I she guess split she had... 47 <laughs> yeah i was i was gonna mention that too but i didn't know if we want to because i mean what one to three seconds that's still oh, no it's it's 50.07 her open pr is 50.07 yeah so is what is that like a half a second? <laughs> yeah. Wait, <laughs> that is that is she very faster. It's faster the more hurdles there. Are. The more hurdles you put, the faster she'll run. So real quick, just to throw some some more flowers. Uh, similarly, I guess if we're giving some kudos to four hundred hurdlers who are just running fast flat four hundred, Shamir Little fifty point seven three fifth best time of her career outdoors, fastest outdoors since August twenty twenty one. She's, uh-huh. you know, also testing something out similarly. The strength we saw indoors with her running a couple 800s. Now the speed with the 400. Don't count her out. I mean, the best part about the women's 400 hurdles is that we have four spots to give. So uh, yes. to send people. So that is. But that's also the scariest part. Because yeah. there are a lot of women who are in Shamir's position that it's just like you could. Those four positions can be almost anybody at this point. So. 
Are you a runner looking for high performance and quality apparel that also embodies a relaxed and fun attitude? Well, look no further than Sky. Established in Copenhagen in 2013 by former pro windsurfer Lars Peterson, Sky is on a mission to bring a fresh perspective to the running apparel industry. What sets Sky apart from other brands is their dedication to supporting sub-elite athletes, or as they call them, everyday heroes. These are the people who are juggling work, friends, and family, but still find the time and dedication to train hard and have fun along the way. Sky celebrates this mentality and aims to be a bridge between the amateur level and the elite level runners. If you go on their website, you immediately get the fun vibe from their clean Scandinavian and streetwear inspired prints. I've worn their flower combat t-shirt on runs, got a bunch of compliments on it, no big deal. It's decked out with a blooming hibiscus flower pattern that is moisture wickening and quick drying. Their clean combat singlet in black and navy blue is also regular in my training rotation. And now as a special offer, for Sidious Mag podcast listeners, Sky is offering a 15% off discount code that applies to all customers worldwide. Simply use code Sidious15 at checkout to take advantage of this great deal. So whether you're a seasoned runner or just starting out, choose Sky for the perfect combination of performance, quality, and fun. Visit sayskye.us, that's S-A-Y-S-K-Y.us, to view all of their collections today. We talk a lot about high-level performance and training for running on the Sidious Mag podcast, but I want to take a second to talk to you about something equally important to performing your best, and that is recovery. This is something I've honed in on over the years, and I can't stress it enough. You got to take the time to recover. One simple recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet have taken a beating, whether you're racing or you're training. And a brand that Kyle and I discovered last fall is Bellis Active Recovery Footwear. They're designed to specifically help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. Bellis has worked with competitive athletes and the medical industry to create what they call tri-motion underfoot technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all the right spots. It is engineered to let your feet and legs heal faster after you train. These shoes are so lightweight. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I absolutely love them. I've got them on right now while I'm recording this podcast. I bring them with me to the track and to long runs. This spring, Bellis is launching two new styles to their recovery mix, the Hoya Slide with an adjustable upper for a custom fit that can also work with or without socks. They've also got the Skyline coming, which is a full lace-up recovery shoe that you can wear all day, every day, to and from the track. Velis Active Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform and train at your best. Kyle and I can't wait to get our hands on these new styles. This new performance brand that everyone's talking about is bringing the absolute best and most technical recovery footwear on the market. Check out Velis Footwear at velisfootwear.com. That's spelled B-E-L-O-U-S footwear. And enjoy a 20% discount by entering code SIDIUSMAG20. Make sure that the capital letters are C and M in that code. Check them out, velisfootwear.com. Now, if we want to talk about an event that is just highly competitive and really, and we only have three spots, the, the traditional three in the U.S., let's talk about the women's 200 because this weekend we saw Abby Steiner clock the 200-meter world lead in Miramar by running 22-23. In the, for me, I was kind of like, all right, Abby took care of business. She ate up the curve and won the race. The one that, the big takeaway I have from this one is Tamari Davis. Can we give her the nickname, like, the future or something like that because <laughs> she ran a personal best of 22:31 finished second she just turned 20 years old back mm-hmm. in february this was really good for her because 
her personal best. We're back from 2018. And confidence-wise, like, this is a big step forward. Mm -hmm. To make the 200-meter squad at the U.S. Championships, you have to get past Abby Steiner, Olympic bronze medalist Gabby Thomas, Jenna Prandini, who was just reliable and consistent in this event, Tamara Clark, Brittany Brown, who has a mm -hmm. world championship medal from 2019, all of them for three spots is yes. insane. And it's crazy, though, because Tamari, like, she was on the, she was in the relay pool, and they took her, they just didn't race her. Um, so, like, she has the capability to make the team. And I think the wonderful thing that I've liked about her journey is the simple fact that, well, I don't really know what she's thinking, but I, it just feels like they're not rushing her to be the greatest ever like today or tomorrow. I think they like realize that she's so young and that she has time because every time when I see someone talk about uh like what she's running, nobody's ever like, oh, well, she's not better than Gabby Thomas or she's not better than Abby. She's not better than, you know, the Jamaicans or all that other stuff. I think they just realize that she's so young and they're just like, okay, well, when everybody else moves out the way and they're done with their career, like she is going to be the person that is at the front of this. And she's been showing that by, running the PRs and she's running the 60s all indoor, running her outdoor PR in the 200 this past weekend. I mean, whenever, whenever everybody else want to retire, like it's going to be the Samari Davis show. It's sort of the like someone really, really good is going to get left off the U.S. team this uh, this summer. Well, it's April, you know, 10. U.S. has the top eight times in the world. Which, look, like I'm not saying that we're going to go and we're sweeping Worlds later in the season. Obviously, there's been a couple big meets in the U.S. early in the season, but it's just the depth. Like there is incredible depth on the U.S. side right now. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the scary part is that Jamaica hasn't opened up yet. Like Sharika Jackson and and Shellyanne haven't done anything okay. yet solo. They're sitting pretty and they're watching and they're like, huh, it's cute. Enjoy that for like two more weeks. Uh, <laughs> but we're ready to put our names there when when we can. So. But that's what we're here for. We're here for just sort of the dramatics of, of the whole season and how that unfolds. All right. Moving over to the men's side. Christian Coleman just barely beats out Leslie Tobogo by .003 seconds. A lot of hype coming into this race because on paper it included Steven Gardner. Uh, Kenny Bednarik was in the race. Gardner scratched from the meet. We still ended up getting a very good showdown. The camera angles, though, I will say, at the very end, made it look like Tobogo caught Coleman, who was really tying up in those final 30 meters. Like, you knew who the 100-meter guy was in this one. The results say otherwise, that Coleman hung on. Maybe? It, like, I, I watched it back a couple times that I think Tobogo leaned at the wrong finish I, line. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was, because I went, cause at first I was like, wait, I'm like a thousand percent sure that like Christian got second. And then when I went back and rewatched the video, there were like two lines like really close together. And I think it was the first one. And I don't know if Christian was guessing either, but if he was, he guessed right because I mean it was literally like this at the line. Yeah, this track meet and the camera angles, you could tell the stadium was not built in mind of like <laughs> we're gonna have the best athletes in the world come here and race because you just never saw what was happening consistently throughout any of the races the whole time also you could really green view of traffic in the background um i think that if this race had been like 10 meters longer that 
the top three guys wouldn't have made it. Like, <laughs> I think everyone was very glad by the time the finish line was there that it had arrived. Timed it perfectly. Yeah, the 20 seconds part, of running in that. Yeah, because at the end, Toboga goes down hard after hard. the race. And he was, like, I, touching his knee. He was able to walk off the track with just, you know, I think one woman was, like, helping him out. So, uh, you know how they do, like, the NFL injury report, reports <laughs> where they're, like, was able to walk off on his own accord yeah. and all that stuff? Like, Toboga had one person kind of barely helping him out. So I think, like, he's going to be okay. But, yeah, it was, if you're a Botswana Sprints fan, you were holding your breath afterwards and being like, I hope he's he's really all right. But um, in the end, really good race, really good showing for Coleman as the 100 guy to step up and beat a world championship medalist, Kenny, who I guess, like, this was the season opener for him and so that he can, you know, call it a rust buster or whatever it might be. But sort of if you're if you're Coleman, you're you're happy and you're like, all right, let me get back down to the 100 after this. Listen. Hey, I know Oregon is on trimesters, but like, when is Tobogo supposed to report for classes? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's going. <laughs> Can you no, imagine, he... like, any other sport if like the top prospect in the world announced he was going somewhere, and then it's like there's no follow up when he doesn't go? <laughs> like, should we just pretend it never happened that he? Was I in... think so because people were like wondering if he was like everybody forgot. Because I remember Twitter blowing up for like two days. I was like, oh my God, he's going to be a Oregon Duck. He got and a graphic like, and, out, and, and everything too, I think. <laughs> it was a big deal. Not there. Like, I remember when he opened up in season, like somewhere, and everybody was like, why is Leslie not in school? <laughs> he, he, he saw that Jerry was the coach, and he's like, yeah. all right. <laughs> he's like, he didn't recruit me. Uh, he's like, I'm not, he, I'm not doing bolded. 10 miles of work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Other results from the weekend. Uh, Nicholas Alekna launched the discus 68.39 meters for world lead. Apparently, he had fouled on a 71-meter throw. Last year, his opener was 62.63 meters and went on to finish the year with a 69.81 personal best. So he's off to a big start to the year. He was a silver medalist last year. Christian uh, Chech won uh, at Worlds, but Alekna was the youngest world discus medalist in history. He's just 20 years old, so... uh, Really, we're big throws, guys. Like, you just love to see that. I think that the discus is one of those events that maybe doesn't get, you know, the glitz and glam uh, that it deserves. And at the same meet, Cameron Rogers threw 77.30 for the world lead. Valerie Allman threw 70.25 at the Triton Invitational. So, like, those two also are going to set up nicely for a duel sometime in this outdoor season. Otherwise, I'm looking at some other results right now. Right now, the men's 100 list has four men from Ghana under 10-10. With Benjamin Asmati running the third fastest time of the year, he ran 9.99 in Texas. It's still super early. Uh, American men haven't shown their cards yet. Ronnie Baker with a 10.01 in Miramar is a top American right now. But again, no Fred, no Trey, no Marvin. Uh, Fred is still running hills in, uh, where is he? Where does he go and train? Uh, he's Granada. Yeah, Granada. The Instagram content is fantastic. Shout out to Montverde Academy's Issa Masinga, our boy from... Uh, New Balance Nationals ran 2011 and 10.15 as a high schooler, both win legal. Vernon Norwood was a DNF at the 800 at LSU this weekend, went out in 51, just like he said he would uh, when he sat down with us at Worlds last year. But some people are still saying that he's out on the track. Maybe he'll give uh, the 800 another try some other time. And let's move in to our buy or sell segment. Uh, Kyle, lead us off. What are you buying this week? All right. I'm buying the 
high school 3200 at the Arcadia Invitational. Normally, I don't want to buy it 3200. I'd rather buy the full two mile, but Simeon Burnbaum 834.10. Jeez. And I'm I'm just like three guys ran 834 in a single race. So three of the top 10 times in high school history, you know, converting for two miles. And 44 boys broke nine minutes in one meet. Back in my day, yeah. if you broke nine minutes, you can go to any college you want in the country and you could get money anywhere. And now maybe you can walk on. <laughs> maybe is insane. It's it's crazy. I don't know what's happened, but I Does love Arcadia it. Does Arcadia give like a special t-shirt or anything like that? If you break nine, like what's the what's the big prize? Yeah, you just got like, I don't know, a handshake. <laughs> From like Rye Benjamin. I saw he was yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there were some other good results there. Irene Riggs, 3,200, won in 952, nine women under 10 minutes. Sadie Engelhart, mile victory in 436. Aaron Salmon, sub 150, goes uh, 149.07 for 800 meters. So I like that one. Goodbye, uh, Kyle. Uh, Caitlin, what are you buying this week? I am buying only because it hasn't happened yet and I know it's going to be like insane is the women's 400 hurdles um NCA because Britain Wait, you're buying this stuff. early. We're going to get you on the podcast before that. <laughs> I got to listen I'm, because I don't know like I was literally just thinking about it half a second ago. I'm like we ain't seen Britain or Masai the two like biggest competitors in the 400 hurdles like they're coming from opposite ends of the spectrum to meet each other in the middle. Like you got the American record holder in the indoor 400 and you have got the two-time NCAA record holder in the 100 hurdles and the 60 hurdles about to meet in the middle in the 400 hurdles. So I'm buying that very early because I, I just don't even know what's going to happen. I'm she's scared. Like, she's like, it's, it's going to be it. gone off the shelves by the time. It's uh, like I have to say it now before anybody else calls it. So uh, yeah. Right. I am buying the Fred Curley, Marcel Jacobs beef. Uh, shout out to Anson Henry, who had an Instagram live where he kind of talked to uh, Fred Curley and asked him sort of like what he thought about Marcel competing at Europeans. And he's like, well, indoors, indoor, you know, the real dogs come out in outdoor season. And then Anson asks him, like, is Marcel a real dog? And he was like, no. And like, from there, then there was an Instagram story. Caitlin did a nice breakdown of all of this on our TikTok um, where uh, Marcel Jacobs posted on his Instagram story about like a lion doesn't concern himself with like the opinions of sheep or whatever it might be. And then after that, uh, Fred posts a photo on his Twitter being like, welcome to my jungle. And it's a big photo of like a tiger. So like these two guys, I can't oh, wait boys. for their sort of showdown. But, you know, I did see a couple of the TikTok comments were like, yeah, I mean, if you can't wait for that showdown, it may not happen. It's, a lot of people are predicting Marcel doesn't even make the final <laughs> at Worlds. And I was like, that's disrespectful. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Kyle, what are you selling? My sell is that the BAA, DraftKings was interested <laughs> in allowing bets to be open for the Boston Marathon. And the BAA said that they didn't have enough time to, you know, go through proper protocols and yada, yada, yada to allow it in such a time. And so Massachusetts gave a commission, didn't allow for it. And I'm just like, what protocols are just like, have the race, just have the race. You don't have to do anything like 
DraftKings will take care of the odds. We'll take care of placing the bets. Just don't do anything. And really fumbled it, I think. I don't it's understand. NBA fumbled this one. Ruined the fun Run, for everybody. Running had the chance to become one of the biggest sports in America yet again. And <laughs> here we are falling to the wayside. I mean, I, coming off this weekend with the Masters, like, it's just, you can make really creative bets around, like, live betting the Boston Marathon would be really fun, but even then, it's like you have top African, top American, top Asian runner. Like, those are other subcategories and bets that you can place. So, I mean, I was looking forward to it, uh, for sure, but not to happen this year. Boo. Uh, Caitlin, what are you selling? What am I selling? Leave women athlete bodies alone, okay? Y'all have my girl Anna Hall on TikTok crying because one of y'all told her that she looked like a man. And there was people talking about, oh, well, it's not that many folks that are saying it, but it's still, no, like, do you know how many people have joked with me and told me I look like Grant Holloway in high school because of how big I am? It's funny at first, but really, like, in all seriousness, the stuff hurts. So I just feel as though y'all need to stop commenting on people because if you don't think we already like pressure ourselves about it, then you're crazy. And then not to mention, there's already been many of articles and situations where y'all hear about coaches constantly checking their athletes weight or constantly making comments saying that, you know, you ain't never gonna be nothing unless you're like the size of my fingers. So, you know. Well, so yeah. Caitlin, you were also cited in the New York Times like, Oh, what a flex yeah. on everyone. You didn't even tell us that, that it was happening. Like, because you know, I'm... First line of a New York Times article talking about like uniforms and just kind of like, you know, yeah. what makes people comfortable and all that stuff. Like, Caitlin, you're on one right now. Dude, people should be buying okay. stock in you. <laughs> Me, the Caitlin Anderson show is about to go insane. And as soon as I start racing again next season, all of y'all going to be sick. So, All right. Yeah. Final one. I am uh, selling the Marathon Racewalk Mixed Relay that m will make its debut at the Paris Olympics. World Athletics announced this one last week. Two men, two women walking 42.195 kilometers. And it's just sort of like no one asked for this. No it's one asked for this. They cut the 50K racewalk. And then, you know, I was just sort of like, I'm staying out of this one because, like, you know, we really don't pay all that much attention to the racewalk anyway. But then I was like, let me take a look and see like what the racewalk community thinks of this one. The whole comment section is just like bashing it. Like no one is in favor of this thing. Like people want a, you know, four by eight DMR or all that stuff. Like any yes. of that. Yes. No one asked for the mixed relay marathon racewalk. And the only comment that was positive on the World Athletics Instagram was like Paris 2024 commenting like four flame emojis but that was that was it so i don't know but, this might be hopefully one and done at the paris olympics but mm, yeah it doesn't seem like anyone's really all that thrilled about it there's just other other better things that you could have done with it with those spots that i guess like that's gonna be more athletes like it's it's 25 teams of one male and one female athlete oh so it is it's the same oh it's just 25 teams of just two people it's not four different runners or walkers. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, not that interesting. Like I'm, I just want to sit in the meetings when they come up with what they decide to pick because it's like out of all of the options that everyone has given, like I want to know logistically why you felt like this option made more sense than everything else. <laughs> 
And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to bash. I'm not trying to be like, oh, y'all know what y'all talking about. I just want to know the thought process. True. Like, I don't think that this one is one that athletes were like, hey, this is a good idea. I think it worked the other way around. Or is like, but is hey, guys, a- this is what we're doing. And none of the athletes seem to be like, ah, we want the 50K race walk back. We want the 35K <laughs> race walk back. And yeah. I don't know. Like, even if he made the 50K race walk team 25 spots based off of world rankings, I feel like they would take that over this thing. So, I don't know. This is too much race walk talk, I think, for this podcast, Caitlin. All right. This weekend, we got the Mount Sac Invitational. We've got the Boston Marathon. So, stay attuned to our social channels for updates on that. Our very own Jasmine Todd will be opening up at Mount Sac, I believe. She'll be yes. doing the uh, long jump. And, I, you know, the part about it is, is, like, we've been seeing these videos on Jasmine's Instagram channel about her running these flat hundreds, and we're getting a little bit of, like, intel. It's like, we want we want I Jasmine in a, in, a, in a hundred soon. Hey, look, well, 2015 Jasmine is back. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I like that. And we'll have a couple more podcast episodes. Again, we'll be live on YouTube on Saturday afternoon with the Boston Marathon preview. And then on Marathon Monday, tune in at 9 a.m. on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel. We'll be doing a watch along as we watch everything unfold at the Boston Marathon. You'll get our reactions, our opinions, our takes, and our jokes uh, live and real time for a couple hours. So mute your TVs and watch along with us. It'll be a good time. Caitlin, Kyle, thanks for joining me. And we'll see you guys again very soon.